Welcome to Full Rigor, a Florida true crime podcast. I'm Karen Curtis. Well, this week, more fun. We're going to talk about a wannabe serial killer at the age of 14. Yep, right here in Florida. We have a lot of serial killers in Florida. Oh, my God. We've got Eileen Wernos, did an episode on her. Ted Bundy, did an episode on him. Danny Rowling, Bobby Joe Long, Oscar Ray Bolin, etc., etc. Anyway, a lot of them get bashed in the head and have a head injury, but I don't think this kid, who was 14 when he hatched a plan to kill his best friend in a middle school bathroom, had been bonked on the head. But he did have a kill list. He had a list of people that he wanted to kill. He was fascinated with serial killers. His name is Michael Hernandez. And he lured his best friend, Jaime Goff, into the middle school bathroom. So again, Hernandez was 14 on this day. It was February 3rd, 2004. And he says, hey, Jaime, let's go into the bathroom. I want to show you something. So this kid, he's an adorable, bespectacled, violin-playing little kid named Jaime Goff. He bounces into the bathroom with a kid he thinks is his friend, and they go into a bathroom stall. And Michael says, I want to show you something. And he opens up his backpack, but first he tells the kid to turn around. Well, you know what? Let me have Michael Hernandez tell you exactly what he did to Jaime Goff in his own words. Uh, Why did you make the suggestion to Jamie to go inside the school today? Um, I was planning to murder him. This is the chilling audio of Michael Hernandez's confession while in the interrogation room the day of the murder. Keep in mind, he is 14 years old and he shows no remorse. I got him into the stall by saying, look, I have something to show you. So I got him into the stall, and I told him to turn around because I wanted to be a surprise. I, t- I was talking to him, and I told him, all right, now, I'm going to, now, I have to put my hand over your mouth. And so I did, and I lifted his neck up. I took the knife out, and I proceeded to slit his throat. Did Jamie say or do anything? Did he put up a struggle? Yes, he did. He turned around after I did that, and he asked me not to kill him. So I told him... Okay, I'm not going to if you cooperate. Okay. Which was a lie. Right. And so I realized that the stall door was open, so I locked it. Yes. And then I turned him around again and proceeded to stab him. Do you think what you did is right or wrong? No, I don't. Well, what don't you think? I think it is neither right, but I don't think it was wrong. Do you know what you did? is wrong. Yes, I do. So he knows it was wrong. He doesn't think it was wrong. Thus, the first degree murder charge for a 14-year-old kid. Apparently, the jury did not believe Michael's insanity defense. And on sentencing day, before he was sentenced to life in prison without parole, Jaime, or Jamie's father, said that he forgave Michael Hernandez for killing his son. My little boy, which I raised, I loved, he took his life. Why, Why? That's George Goff face-to-face with his son's killer. Doesn't that hurt you? Don't you care? And here's Michael's mom at his first sentencing hearing in 2008. I hope it will not be forgotten that he was 14 years old and that he did not ask for mental illness. 
Mr. and Mrs. Golf, I am truly sorry for your loss, but I'll have to say that I'm just as sorry for my family. Well, her son stabbed his best friend 42 times in a bathroom at his middle school. I hope that Michael will be able to be placed close to home so that we can be able to visit him without a physical or financial hardship. Thank you. The jury finds Michael Hernandez guilty of first-degree murder. Even though he's only 14 years old, the judge throws the book at him. The penalty for the crimes is life imprisonment without the possibility of parole. So in 2016, a new sentencing hearing was held for Hernandez. It was mandated after the U.S. Supreme Court ruled in 2012 that juveniles could not automatically be sentenced to life without parole, as Florida's law required when Hernandez was sent to prison in 2008. Now, keep in mind, this is not the first kid that Florida's judicial system has thrown behind bars. In fact, Florida holds the highest rate of juveniles in adult prison, and many are serving life without parole also known as LWAP. If you want to listen to my episode 92, Life Without Parole, you'll hear from an inmate two decades after he murdered the neighbor girl when he was just 14, and he was sent up the river for life. And after 20 years behind bars and continuing education, he really became a different person. He became a responsible adult. If it's possible to become a responsible adult behind bars, he did. Doesn't matter, though. Remember, life without parole, LWAP. And Michael Hernandez, in a way, also grew up behind bars and became a different person. I think he became a little too condescending. I was following the advice of my attorney. No, you idiot prosecutor. I was following the advice of my attorney. Now, the trial testimony showed Hernandez kept a journal listing people he wanted to kill, including his own sister, and that he had been fascinated with other serial killers like Ted Bundy and Jeffrey Dahmer. He also added that he felt he was on a mission to cleanse the planet by killing. Look, squeaky clean without all those pesky people. I think somebody else had that idea. Hmm, who was it? No, not Bill Gates. Well, the population growth issue, it's really an acute problem in a, a certain number of places, and we've got to make sure uh, that we help out with the tools now so that they don't have an impossible situation later. I was thinking more of Hitler. Ooh, how did I go there? It's truly shocking. And I think what's even more shocking is that crazy females fall in love with these serial killers. I even think Nicholas Cruz, the accused Parkland mass murderer, has gotten photos of girls or women in lingerie. I will never understand. I think even uh, Ted Bundy got married behind bars. So it's nuts. But like all the other killers, Michael Hernandez had a pen pal. Her name was Brittany. And... He thought she wanted to talk about serial killers when he finally got her on the phone. She wanted her to like me. So I said, I said whatever I could say to get that sort of reaction. You talk about uh, some very disturbing things with Brittany. Yes, sir. I mean, you talk about serial killers. Yes, sir. You talk about violence. Yes, sir. Why? I was, I was very nervous 
you know, leading up to talking to her. I never talked to, you know, uh, a female over the phone. So I didn't know what to talk about. You know, my, my life as, as, you know, being, you know, incarcerated, it's very mundane. So I tried to think about what could I talk about? What could I, you know, um, fill the conversation up with? And I knew that she, you know, because the way she reached out to me, you know, various things uh, she had said in her letters, that she had an interest in, in, in crime. She contacts you because she has a fascination with serial killers. And when she writes you, you tell that she writes you because you're young and she wants to know how your mind works, right? No, that's not what she wrote to me. She never said it, though. She never said that at all. She's fascinated with gore, right? I think so. Just like you. No. You don't want to admit what you did was wrong, what right? I, what I did was wrong. Oh, today you're saying that. I've said it for I've said it for a long time. Did you ever tell your sister Christina while she was on your list? No, we were told never to discuss the case. You never told her. I was following the advice of my attorney. How about you tell her now? She's sitting in court. I had absolutely I, I love you, and I had absolutely, absolutely no no intent to ever do anything to you. I was mad one day. And that's all it was. And I love you. I love you. I love this prosecutor. She is the best. <laughs> Why don't you tell her right now she's sitting in court. You didn't kill her yet. Man, brutal. And he's just so condescending. Remember what he told the detective on the day of the murder? He didn't think what he did was wrong. I think it is neither right, but I don't think it was wrong. Do you know what you did is wrong? Yes, I do. What does it mean? You don't think it's wrong, but you know it's wrong. Okay, let's reconcile that. Also, I take umbrage with the fact that the pen pal loved Gore, therefore she was in love with this killer. I apparently, because I do a podcast on Florida True Crime, not all my podcasts are about gore, but you know, it's a bit of a fascination for me, but I have never formed an affection for a serial killer or a felon behind bars. I've had no felonious love interests yet. Just want to make that clear. I am though receiving mail from an individual and I may do a podcast on him, who's now serving 43 years behind bars after being convicted of having an improper relationship with a student. He was an art teacher in Broward County, and he claims he's innocent. I'm checking out his case. So back to Michael Hernandez, who, by the way, is no longer in prison. But you say, Karen, he was serving life without parole. How could he not still be in prison? Well, you might recall, yes, I told you that he was sent back to prison for life. He was sentenced to life for a second time in February 2016. In fact, the Miami-Dade Circuit Judge John Schlesinger imposed the maximum possible prison term again on Michael Hernandez, who was at that time 26. He had sought a lesser sentence for killing Jaime Goff in 2004, but the judge said no. He held that three-day hearing earlier in the month featuring hundreds of Hernandez's jail phone calls, convinced him that Hernandez hadn't changed since the killing. 
In his conversations, the inmate spoke a great deal about serial killers, including Jeffrey Dahmer, mass shootings such as the Columbine school killings in Colorado, and violent death metal music about slayings and mayhem. The judge says, hey, I didn't anticipate there was going to be a lot of talk about rainbows and unicorns and puppies, but what I received is truly grotesque. Apparently on one phone call, Michael says, he can't understand why so many mass killers kill themselves before they can enjoy what he calls the glory and the fun. Huh, he's a sick pup. Hernandez, the judge said, is essentially the same kind of person he was in 2004. He has no real insight or empathy for the victims of his crimes. He ended by saying, I don't think we want someone like Michael Hernandez as our neighbor. So, why is Michael Hernandez no longer in prison? Well, at the age of 31, just last week, the last week in April 2021, Michael Hernandez, an inmate at Columbia Correctional Institute outside of Jacksonville, collapsed and died. In fact, there's video of him collapsing and dying. So there's no foul play. Nobody shivved him. But according to the Florida Department of Corrections, they believe he died of a drug overdose. Did he kill himself? Did he OD? It's been a couple years since he was resentenced to life in prison without parole. Maybe the glory and fun had worn off. Now, Jaime's parents, the Goff, said the news of Hernandez's passing was unexpected, but it did bring them some peace. According to George Goff, we were not expecting that at all, and we don't want to see anyone die or be hurt like that. Even though we went through what we went through, we are not happy to hear that Michael Hernandez is dead in jail. Well, his body has since been removed from probably given back to his parents. And Miami-Dade State Attorney's Office, who prosecuted the case, reacted to the news of Hernandez's death. Catherine Fernandez-Rundle, love her, says that although she grieved for the family of Michael Hernandez, she said, I've always felt that Michael Hernandez's family were also Michael's victims. Upon his conviction, Michael Hernandez's family was also scarred by Michael's actions. My sympathies go out to both families. Records show that Hernandez died on Thursday, April 29th at Columbia Correctional Institution near Jacksonville. May he rest in peace. So I guess technically, Michael's sentence was converted from life without parole to death without parole. But in fact, the U.S. Supreme Court just made it easier on April 22, 2021, to sentence minors like Michael, convicted of murder, to life in prison without the possibility of parole. The ruling reflects a change in the course of the court. It's driven more by the conservative group of justices that President Trump appointed. So in a dissent, a liberal justice accused her colleagues of gutting earlier decisions that said life without parole sentences for people younger than 18 should be rare. Now, the current case, which involved a Mississippi inmate, not any of the Florida inmates, and a crime that was committed when he was 15, asked the justices whether a minor has to be found to be permanently incorrigible incapable of being rehabilitated before being sentenced to life without parole. And I do believe the judge in the Michael Hernandez case found him incorrigible. He just, he didn't see any change in him whatsoever. He totally lacked empathy. So in a six to three decision that split the justices along ideological lines, the court said, no. The ruling followed more than a decade in which the court moved gradually toward more leniency for minors convicted of murder. 
And Justice Brett Kavanaugh, writing for the majority, said previous decisions only require a judge to consider an offender's youth and attendant characteristics before imposing a sentence of life without parole. He rejected a more demanding standard. The argument that the sentencer must make a finding of permanent incorrigibility is inconsistent with the court's precedents, wrote Kavanaugh for himself and Justice John Roberts, as well as Justices Samuel Alito, Neil Gorsuch, and Amy Coney Barrett, all conservatives. Justice Clarence Thomas agreed with the result, but said that he would have instead rejected outright a 2016 decision in favor of the juveniles. The court's three liberal justices dissented, with Justice Sonia Sotomayor writing that the decision guts prior cases in favor of minors. Sotomayor called the decision an abrupt break and an abandonment of those cases. She pointed to something that's really important. It's called hope. And that's what people that have life without parole lose because she says that almost 1,500 juvenile offenders serving life without parole sentences all want the opportunity at some point in their lives to show a parole board that they have done everything they can to rehabilitate themselves and to ask for a second chance. Otherwise, life becomes hopeless. Why bother? Why bother getting up in the morning? Living that mundane, dreary life behind bars, just going through the motions of your daily duties? Or don't murder somebody when you're a kid. Well, well, look at what happened to Michael Hernandez. He's dead. Overdosed. So beginning in 2005, the Supreme Court had concluded in a series of cases that minors should be treated differently from adults, in part because of minors' lack of maturity. That year, the court eliminated the death penalty for juveniles. Five years later, it barred life without parole sentences for juveniles, except in cases of murder. And in 2012 and 2016, the court again sided with minors. The court said life without parole sentences should only be given to the rarest of juvenile offenders, those whose crimes reflect permanent incorrigibility. You know, like Damien from The Omen. (laughs) Look at me, Damien. It's all for you. I was at the hospital, Mr. Thorne, the night your son was born. His mother was a... This is not a human child. Yeah, I think the Supreme Court would have no problem with Damien getting the death penalty. (laughs) So since then, of course, RBG, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, and Anthony Kennedy have been replaced by the more conservative justices, such as Kavanaugh, the author of Thursday's Majority Opinion, and a former clerk to Kennedy. He replaced him on the court, and Kennedy had been the author of the decisions favoring juveniles in 2005, 2010, and 2016. So if you're a kid and you're thinking about screwing up, Think again, because you could get life in prison without parole. And it's a very, very long, hard road to haul. You're up the river without a paddle. That wraps up this episode of Full Rigor, because I'm completely out of cliches. If you would like to listen to my other episodes, you can check me out on all of the streaming platforms. And also check me out on Instagram at Full Rigor Podcast. Thanks for joining me. Until next time.